to part three of the Bride's House of Waxing Intellectual, the Amityville series. On this episode, we dive into the cultural context of the movie, the Amityville franchise, and the 2005 remake. Like the book, the movie is thematically concerned with economic unease of the late 70s and early 80s. The release of the movie coincided with Americans facing 18% inflation and sky-high mortgages. Stephen King is quoted as saying, This movie is the horror movie as economic nightmare. Uh, honey, $80,000? I mean, might as well be $800,000. Give me a break. Oh, come on, George. Be nice. This is a big event in my family. I mean, we've always been a bunch of renters, and this is the first time anyone's bought a house. Damn regimental inspection, and we're not ready. This is possibly why the movie was so successful, as it was one of the highest-grossing movies of 1979. A large population, particularly in middle America, could relate to the stresses of owning or trying to own your own home. This and the media frenzies surrounding the Lutzes and their claims of everything being 100% true. The house, little by little, destroyed the Lutzes financially, with George scrambling to capitalize on numerous sequels and TV interviews, as well as entering into numerous lawsuits, all surrounding 112 Ocean Avenue until the day he died. Whether the events of the book or movie are true or not have very little to do with the movie. Stephen King put it best when he said, All movies, after all, are pure fiction, even the true ones. Today the movie receives mixed reviews, with a 6.2 out of 10 on IMDb and a 30% on Rotten Tomatoes. Some find the movie tacky, boring, and episodic, while others praise the movie for having great makeup, acting, and plot. Others say that the star is the house itself. This project was originally going to include a deeper dive into the entire Amityville franchise, including books, fiction and non, documentaries and other films. This would have included at least 10 books and 31 movies. However, upon further research, there is not a lot to discuss as all the movies are variations of the original while incorporating various film styles popular at the time. For example, in the early 80s, 3D filmmaking was popular, and therefore we have Amityville 3D. And in 2011, we saw the release of The Amityville Haunting, a found footage movie that tried to capitalize on the genre that was popular at the time. Perhaps the biggest reason to not indulge in this franchise is George Lutz himself who spearheaded many of the book sequels and movies, as he was unhappy with his share of the profits from the original book. It is one of the most promiscuous horror franchises of all time, with George marketing his name and exploiting his family and real-life murders of the DeFeo family to make money. The real-life tragedy did not end with the DeFeo family being murdered, but continues to this day in the Lutz children. As seen in the documentary, my Amityville, a grown-up Daniel Lutz suffers true trauma from the story and from the mental and physical abuse he suffered from George. That said, there is no denying the huge impact the Amityville horror has had on popular culture and remains one of the most well-known haunted house stories. 
Now it's time to fast forward 26 years to the 2005 remake of Amityville Horror, directed by Andrew Douglas and starring Ryan Reynolds and Melissa George. The movie opens with a 1974 flashback of occult symbols and Ronnie in his basement watching TV at 3.15am. He hears a voice say, It is storming, which causes a strobe-like effect as Ronnie goes from room to room, shooting his family while they sleep. The little girl, Jody, goes and hides but is soon found by Ronnie and is also shot. The film flashes quickly and has quick cuts to dead bodies and a book that is scribbled with catch him and kill him. It then cuts to old police footage and news stories of the DeFeo murders. There are loads of quick jarring cuts to photos of the crime scene. The film then jumps to one year later, and we see the happy Let's couple and the family. The little boy is Michael, the oldest is Billy, and the little girl is Chelsea. They look at the Amityville home and discuss how it is out of their price range. Positive. I'm positive that houses here are out of our price range. The house appears taller than in the original Amityville home in an attempt to make it more scary looming above us as daunting music plays. They of course buy the home and the film switches to home video footage of the Letzes moving in while happy music plays. While the couple attempts to be intimate, George sees a little girl standing at the end of his bed, hanging herself. She is grey with dark stringy hair and cracks all over her face, a popular scary child motif in the early 2000s. George wakes up sick with a cough. Kathy overhears Chelsea talking to someone who isn't there while making a creepy drawing. George begins the ritual of chopping wood while being menacing to Michael as scary music plays. The family can't find Chelsea and find her standing in the boathouse holding a balloon. Billy is found sleeping in his bed on his stomach. Michael has to use the washroom in the night as typical horror music plays. There is a jump scare of a creepy man standing beside him in the washroom. The man opens his mouth and blood pours out. George wakes after having dreams of himself shooting the boys. He goes outside to check the boathouse and when he looks back he sees Chelsea and the little girl Jody from the end of his bed in the upper eye windows. The family dog, Harry, digs at the floor in the basement and George begins his downward spiral into becoming more and more moody as he stays in the basement to stay warm. Kathy finds the ABC fridge magnets reading catch him and kill him as ghostly shadows of children run in the background. The babysitter arrives and after smoking weed in the washroom tells the children of the DeFeo murders. So this whack job, Ronnie, the guy that lived here, People in this town say he heard voices telling him to do it. The guy was a nut. I mean, first he thinks his dog's out to get him. So he kills it. A few days later, he thinks his family's a bunch of demons. So you know what he did? Wasted him. How did he do it? Do what? Oh, you are way too young to hear this. So cover your ears. And don't listen. A rifle. Back, 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 back. 
He went room to room, splattering their heads as they slept. He killed his brothers in this very room. Right here. In these beds. The babysitter then gets locked in the closet and sees Jody. Jody takes the sitter's hand and shoves her finger through the bullet hole in her head. It then cuts to the sitter being taken away on a stretcher in an ambulance. George begins to lose it and punishes Billy by not allowing him to eat. He sees visions of bloody bodies and blood running through cracks in the floor. George seeks help from a psychiatrist. Chelsea is found balancing on the roof of the house, and after a suspenseful rescue, is saved when George catches her. George goes out that night to check the boathouse. He sees a man run at him, and he swings with an axe. And on second look, he has accidentally killed the family dog, Harry. A priest comes to the house to bless it. He sees Chelsea holding an old teddy bear that is missing an eye. The priest informs Kathy that Jody was buried with that same teddy. As the priest begins his blessing, flies swarm and he hears, On day 28, Kathy goes to the library and learns about the DeFeos, while George discovers the secret room in his basement. It is full of maggots and he discovers the house is on land which is used for ritual magic and sacrifice. The film cuts back and forth between Kathy learning of the tortures that happened in her home, while George is actively seeing it as he walks through the secret room. The film fast forwards through the torture of the dead bodies moving, giving it an inhuman quality. Kathy races home through a storm to find that her husband has been completely possessed by the house. She falls into the water in the boathouse and her hair gets caught in the motor. George attempts to drown her. Kathy escapes and finds Chelsea in the secret room. George has made caskets for all of them. The family attempts to run from George, who has a gun, but the house won't let them leave. There is a strobe-like effect from the storm as the family climbs onto the roof with George in pursuit. Billy knocks George off the roof with a pipe. George grabs an axe and Billy. He doesn't see Billy, but instead sees a demon. Kathy pulls a gun on George and knocks him out with the butt of it. It cuts to visions of a happy family playing. George hits Kathy with an axe, but this is revealed to be another one of his visions. He is knocked out and the family tie him up and escape the house with George in tow on the boat. Kathy knows it is the house causing George to act like this. The storm is gone and the sun is up. George wakes up and is back to normal. The final scene is of Jody standing in the main foyer of the house. The clock hits 3.15 a.m. and the house resets itself from the destruction into a happy home again. Jody is pulled through the floorboards by ghostly hands. The remake falls into many horror tropes that were popular of the early 2000s. The flash strobe effect, overexposed film, high contrast film quality, creepy music, over the top visuals and jump scares are all indicative of its time. The film relies almost purely on creepy images. For example, the man in the bathroom with Michael that may or may not have anything to do with the overall plot, but is used simply to convey the horror of the house. 
The acting is very good, and Ryan Reynolds, who at the time was mostly known for his work as a comedian, does a very good job at portraying the subtle downward spiral into madness. In the commentary track, Reynolds said that in order to get into the moody George character, he stayed away from the other cast members, isolating himself instead. He stayed up all night to achieve the bloodshed eyes that are seen in the film as he begins to lose his grip on reality. Melissa George is charming and charismatic as Kathy Lutz, and you can feel her deep love for her children. The film's strength lies in its departure from the original and having Kathy be the hero of the film. She gets her kids and George to safety, away from the house, restoring George's sanity. Unlike the original book and movie, the children are treated as actual characters. The audience cares about them as they are struggling to recover from the loss of their biological father. This makes for a more invested audience. The filming was done with mostly practical effects and CGI only coming in to erase wires. Even though the movie rests on the horror tropes of its time, its departures from the original movie, along with casting choices, make it a much more compelling watch. With that said, Jody is much more terrifying as an imaginary pig friend rather than the cliché little girl imaginary friend. The movie opened to negative reviews and was said to be derivative of the original. However, it was financially successful, grossing $108 million on a budget of $19 million. The remake uses the same marketing ploys of the original, stating that the movie was based on new information uncovered during the research of the original Amityville events, still claiming all to be real. George Lett sued the studio, citing violations of the original contract. This case remained unresolved at the time of George's death in 2006. The movie holds a 6 out of 10 on IMDb and a 23% on Rotten Tomatoes. Jay Anson's 1977 novel has survived through its many controversies and remains one of the most iconic haunted house novels. The original film has worked its way into popular culture, with the typical booming voice of Get Out being used to signify a haunted house in many shows and movies, including children's movies such as The Addams Family, and in comedies such as Talladega Nights. I keep snapping back into it. It's like a trick you're pulling on me. All right, I'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, man. Talk to you more. Black flies are another trope used from Amityville in many pop culture references and is automatically recognized as being tied to Amityville, as seen in Scary Movie 2, where a priest is seen expelling a demon as flies gather on his face. It is then revealed that the demon he is trying to exercise is his own bowel movements. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of hell got hold upon me. I found... Then called I upon the name of the Lord, and...
flies, demonic pigs, and green ooze running down walls are all iconic images that have stuck with the generations to follow the initial release of the 1979 film. They are instantly recognized as the imagery that made Amityville truly frightening. The Amityville house stands today and is still flocked to by fans of the franchise, a true horror for the residents of the home and surrounding area. The novel is a modern folktale whose legacy shows no signs of slowing. The latest film, at the time of recording, The Amityville Moon, was released in 2021. Therefore, the Amityville horror did not end with George Lutz's death, nor the death of Ronnie DeFeo, but lives on through books, films, and podcasts forevermore. And thus concludes Series 1 of The Bride's House of Waxing Intellectual. So please, my putrid pupils, leave my loneliness unbroken and take thy form from off my door. Sleep those little slices of death, how I loathe them. Thank you to everyone involved in making this podcast a success, including Joey Grzecki for editing and production, Rob Grzecki for composing the theme song, and Alex Lung for photography. All of the many resources used are listed in the podcast description below.